Welcome to the Bill Cartwright Show with our special guest, UC Davis Hall of Famer, Mike Lane. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. Good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great as long as the uh, uh, sun's out a little bit. I'm I'm awesome and ready to go. What I want to do quickly is to have everybody get to know you. So why don't you talk about where you grew up and talk about your mom and dad? Well, I was uh, born and raised in Sacramento, and I'm a, a on my dad's side. I'm a third generation Californian, and um, I, uh, you know, went to uh, grade school in the San Juan district and then uh, went to Jesuit high school. And uh, from there, I uh, went down and played uh, for two and a half years at the University of Texas. And uh, after that, uh, got into... Uh, well, it became clear to me that it was time to transfer and um, uh, at least, uh, and then uh, ended up uh, at Davis, redshirt for a year and then uh, played there for most of two years. And then I uh, went on and played a couple of years in France. Okay. So and, uh, we're, we're, we're gonna go all the way back and I want you to talk about your mom and dad. Like, for example, what did your, what did your dad do for a living? And what was mom doing at the same time? Well, my uh, my mom started out as a school teacher out of uh, college, and she taught uh, uh, junior high school English and back in the early 50s in Sacramento. And uh, my dad uh, was, uh, oh, from about 10 years on, lived in Watsonville. And uh, they met at Cal. And um, my dad came to uh, Sacramento. Uh, he was engaged to my mom and my uh, maternal grandfather, being a bright man, uh, got him a job so that in Sacramento, so that he would be his his his, his daughter would be close to him. <laughs> and, uh, he worked for the state in, in civil defense. Uh, for my uh, grandfather, who was who was actually running civil defense, and which is the uh, Office of Emergency Services today, and then uh, he started selling houses uh, on the weekends for a company called Walker and Donat, and uh, that was in uh, about '54, and uh, by '56 he was. Uh, their first non-partner full-time office employee. And uh, he, uh, being the job hopper he was, he uh, he stayed with him for the rest of his career. And uh, we were, they were in the home building and land development business. Um, and uh, in the sixties, we ended up uh, backing into the garbage business and we're um, have uh, since 1968. We've been uh, we've run uh, a landfill, and uh, in the 80s we got into the recycling business, and uh, that's what uh, we do today. After I came back from Europe, uh, 
I went to work for the company and uh, my brother went to work uh, right out of uh, right out of uh, college. He went to Cal and uh, we uh, that's where we've been. I'm going to take you back again because I want to know what I was a sports kid in high school. I played baseball, basketball, football. Uh, goofy, of course, like most kids. Talk about yourself as a high school kid. Um, what kind of kid were you? And we knew you played basketball, so who kind of influenced you? <clears throat> well, that's a, uh, there's several questions there. The um, Yes, sir. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, back in the Back when you and I were growing up, the um, uh, I think we played the sports that were in season. And when we got a little bored with that, we would make up games and, you know, try and do decathlons and different things. And, you know, we just we we played and uh, it. Uh, uh, so I was uh, like you, you know, in in. Um, in junior high, I was playing baseball and football and basketball, and the um, my uh, my uh, baseball days uh, were over once um, pitchers got good at throwing curveballs. It uh, when all of a sudden that ball was coming at my head, and I wasn't real sure whether it was going to curve or not. I was done, and uh, if it came straight, I could hit it and hit it. Hit it fine, but the curveballs were the end of me. And uh, in um, and I played at, at Jesuit. I played uh, uh, all three sports as, as a freshman. But then, uh, in terms of football, I uh, broke my shoulder in practice at uh, uh, in as a freshman. And uh, I think I played in May. I think we maybe had one game and. Uh, and then I broke my shoulder and then didn't end up playing uh, basketball until after uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, it was um, so I decided, well, enough of football, you know, and from then from sophomore year on, I just played basketball. So talk about your coach and talk about some of your teammates and your best year you guys had there at Jezreel High School. One of the key guys I had uh, was the um, the PE coach at Arden uh, Junior High was um, a guy named Don Homer, and he 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 taught me uh, the basic principles of shooting and uh, what you needed to do in terms of you know the the basic you know right angles you need to have and and the release and that always stuck with me. Um, you know, at Jesuit, I played for um, primarily for a guy named Len Stevens, who uh, went on to um, after Jesuit to um, uh, coach uh, collegiately at several places uh, around the uh, the West Coast. Coincidentally, we ended up playing. Uh, he was at uh, Eastern Washington. My senior year at Davis and we ended up playing against them and um they beat us and it wasn't a uh, uh 
I was plenty unhappy that night. <laughs> the um, and so uh, you know, in terms of uh, the people I played with, um, probably the best uh, the best guy I played with was a guy named Rick Mitchellmore, who um, was uh, actually you know uh, at Jesuit uh, as a freshman played about half the year on. Uh, the JV team, and then late in the year, uh, moved up to the, up to the varsity. And he was, uh, uh, he was a forward and, and uh, was, uh, you'll remember him in the name. And, um, yeah, I do. And he, and he was, uh, um, he was excellent. He, he was, he was well ahead of everybody else and was one of the, better players in the, in the city in his time. And, um, we ended up having, uh, well, three or four guys go on to, uh, three guys go on to play collegiately from my senior year and, uh, Rick and a guy named Matt Guthrie and myself. And, uh, as I recall, and, uh, it was, uh, we had, a, a we had a good squad and, uh, we were competitive, um, but uh, we, uh, in the end, we uh, uh, we really couldn't. Uh, you know, when we got to the TOC, we uh, had uh, some key games that we uh, should have won that, that 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 we didn't win and prevented us from playing you guys, and that was what uh, you know. Uh, and that's where, you know, things, things uh, kind of how things ended up in terms of uh, uh, from uh, from the Jesuit experience. So um, you're about to leave Jesuit High School. Um, so you've got a decision to make of where you're going to go to college. Uh, talk about where you ended up and what were the other possibilities uh, schools that you were you were thinking about. Well, I had uh, uh, a handful of offers uh, to go different places. Um, I uh, and the um, let's see the uh, Naval Academy, Air Force Academy, um, the um, University of Vermont, they were interested. Um, University of Texas, where I ended up. Um, and then I had, a, um, there, then there was a, a, obviously Davis was very interested. Sac State wanted me to stay in Sacramento. And, um, and then I had um, <clears throat> in the, um, in the whack and the, well, I guess it was the Pac-8 then, maybe Pac-10, Pac-8. Um, there were several um, schools that were interested in me, but they didn't really want to give me a scholarship. They wanted me to walk on and find out how uh, how good I was going to be by probably my freshman or sophomore year before they wanted to give up one of their scholarships for me. And um, it was... Um, it was an interesting time because, um, relatively speaking, I was uh, a uh, 
a late bloomer and it um there uh some things i figured out later that i probably should have been doing in high school i was doing in college and of course when you figure those things out think things out they help a lot and uh it is um uh and it really got down to oh and and um princeton was very interested i had uh three or four uh serious conversations with uh uh pete carrell and uh it uh but in those days they uh and, but they didn't offer any scholarships and um so um and i decided that uh i wanted to go someplace where i was offered a scholarship and it really came down and uh i decided i didn't want to go the uh the military academy route so it, it, it and i wanted to be in division one so it came down to vermont and uh and texas and i felt texas fit fit better and uh so i and they had a uh they also had a much stronger uh business school and so i ended up you know so uh that's why I ended, uh, those were the reasons why i ended up there so talk about some of the guys who were there at Texas when you were there. And who was their head coach? Well, I started out playing by for a guy by the name of Leon Black, who had uh, was uh, he was a very interesting fellow and a uh, uh, a um, and very different from what I was used to, you know, growing up in in Sacramento and going to Jesuit High School and spending uh four years in catholic confinement and this guy uh was uh a you know i'm arriving you know the 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 biggest uh crowd i'd ever played in front of was uh you know three thousand people at american river college and uh i go down to the university of texas and there's you know when i was a jesuit there was about 500 students uh, go to, down to UT and there's 45,000 students and there's um, and coach black was a, a was a Baptist beacon or a, a Baptist deacon and he um, uh, he was about five eight or five nine and uh, he played at UT and there were pictures of him where he had both elbows on the rim um, to the degree he could jump and he was he had wanted to be a coach and had worked his way up and basically had his 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 dream job and um he was a good man and um it was interesting he didn't he didn't care if he went if you if he could win the southwest conference if he went 0 and 10 or 1 and 12 or whatever in preseason didn't make any difference to him it was all about uh prepping for winning the Southwest Conference. And um, he was there my first two years. And then he got in the middle of a recruiting scandal and got uh, A&M was, uh, uh, had a serious program going that they, uh, 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 where they were, um, I, I guess, uh, uh, 
let's say they were bending the rules in terms of the NC2A rules, and uh, he caught wind of it and turned some people in uh, because of what he learned and what he felt he needed to do, and it, it got pretty ugly with, uh, and he ended up resigning, and um, a lot of threats, death threats, these sorts of things. It's a, kind of a, a it was a, a, another interesting process to watch, and um, it uh, and then uh, UT hired a guy by the name of Abe Lemons, and, uh, yeah. and I was at the there for the first year uh, when Abe uh, was coaching, and uh, he had a uh, another very interesting fellow, and uh, he uh, he saw the world differently. It you know it was he was willing to live and die by the by the 15 to eight foot, 18 foot jumper. And, uh, it, uh, uh, would have been interesting to see him coaching in, in, in the, in the three point days. And, um, some of the guys I played with, there was, um, well, my roommate and, uh, uh, for the last couple of years, uh, was, uh, actually my, my sophomore year, my freshman year, I I, I roomed with a guy named uh, Brett Taylor, who had also played here in California, played up at Nevada Union, and he and I both went down there. The um, the guy who recruited us was uh, a California guy, and he had um, who was uh, the chief recruiter and an assistant, and a guy by the name of Skip Adams, and he um, he had. Um, uh, he recruited several guys out of California, and uh, my year that came in, uh, uh, Brett went in as a freshman, and then a guy came out of, you know, like Merced Junior College, a guy named Jeff Booth, who um, was also a Californian. And but the better players was um, best player on team uh, was a guy named uh, Dan Kruger, who uh, was out of Wisconsin, and he was a guard and. Uh, his senior year, my sophomore year, he was first or second team, all Southwest Conference, and uh, uh, a stocky uh, point guard who uh, shot well, and uh, he was leader on the, leader of the leader of the team. And then uh, some of the younger guys I played with, um, uh, uh, a guy named Johnny Moore who ended up playing for the Spurs. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, good player. He was. He was out of Altoona, Pennsylvania, and inc incredibly quick. <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, which is what uh, catapulted him in, into the league. And then... Um, there a, a player out of LA, a guy by the name of um, Ron Baxter. Uh, he 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 had a good run. I don't know if he how much he played beyond college or not, but he was uh, he was one of the better players that that was there. And they actually uh, what would have been my senior year, um, the um, they won the NIT and. Uh, 
Baxter Moore. Um, they had a guy named, uh, we had a guy named uh, Jim Krebax who'd come out of Indiana. And he was actually, uh, he transferred from somewhere. I don't remember where, but he came in my sophomore year. And um, he was a, a one of uh, Black's uh, recruits and uh, excellent shooter. He was, um, if I recall, I think he was uh, Mr. Basketball in, in Indiana one year, and he he could he could shoot. So you ended up leaving Texas. Um, I'd be curious to know why that is, and how did you end up at UC Davis? Well, it is. Um, I ended up leaving Texas because it, uh, um, in my freshman year, it, uh, you know, I was going along and struggling and not playing much and, uh, I was on the varsity, but, um, and I got to a point to where, um, you know, you, you get to these magic moments uh, with, uh, and generally speaking in high school, you know, you, you've got this reverence for your coaches that are, you know, a little bit like your father and you reach a point to where you figure out they're not your father and <laughs> they have their goals and you have your goals. And I uh, had one of those magic moments where I looked at coach black and they said, um, and he's, we were the team wasn't playing well and everybody is kind of doing their own thing and the 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 sort of team effort that we had in high school um what we didn't have and i'm struggling to figure this out and not happy and not playing and so he's talking one day after practice about what we need to do and he's talking about running the UCLA high post offense and there's no problem with the offense and this and that and everything else. And he says, uh, and I'm kind of shaking my head and smiling a couple of things he said. And he says, you know, he breaks it up and he says, lean, stick around here. I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. So I'm standing there with a couple the coaches, coach black and his chief assistant. And he says to me, uh, so what's so funny? I said, well, nothing's funny, coach. And he says, uh, well, what were you smiling about? And I said, well, you're right. We're running the UCLA high post offense. And I said, but we don't have Curtis Rowe and Sidney Wicks. And after, uh, and you're only playing eight guys and five of them don't give a damn whether uh, we won or lost an hour after the game. And I said, and I think it has more to do with that than it does with anything else. Of course, then I um, sat on the bench for seven straight games, <laughs> which is how those things go. And uh, But I felt better. I was sleeping at night. And so and I tell that because I, um, uh, when Abe Lemons and I, when Abe Lemons came in, he and I, uh, he was, he had a couple things that he was trying to do. One, he was, you know, trying to make an immediate positive impression and, you know, and, and up the level of basketball. And he had, uh, it wasn't his team. He was taking over coach black's team and he had, he'd brought in some couple of 
JC guys to try and turn things around quickly and they didn't pan out. And so uh, he ended up um, trying to figure out, you know, what he could do to um, uh, free up some scholarships. And he and I ended up button heads in uh, early December. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, if, if I'm ever going to change schools, I ought to be doing it now. And um, so I uh, decided to uh, come back to California. And uh, well, I decided to leave Texas. And then as I thought that through, word got out pretty quickly. And I had a, it was interesting because if you, if you, in those days, if you, if you move schools from uh, a division one place to either division one or division two, you needed to redshirt a year. And um, it is, um, but you didn't, if you were going to play in division three or NAIA. And so all of a sudden my word gets out and my dorm phone's ringing off the hook of, guys out of the Midwest, hey, you can come here next week and start playing and this and that. And I thought, no, if I want to change schools, I want to get closer to home. And um, so it really got down to either going to uh, Sac State or going to UCD. And um, an interesting thing that happened when um, when we were seniors after our, a Jesuit after our, 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 our um, season was over so probably what early march um coach hamilton had about uh, had basically our whole starting five who were all seniors come over for a day and tour the campus and he was looking to you know he'd have been happy to have any one of the five of us and um the um and so i'd met him then and then um after i'd committed to texas uh, he um, got a hold of uh, me and said, uh, hey, I'd like to come over and uh, this thing. Uh... There we go. I'm back. Yeah. Okay. The... Sorry. Uh, and he came over and said, uh, and he called up and said, you know, I'd like to come over and talk to you and um, talk to your parents. And I said, okay, but why? And he said, well, just, you know, like to meet your parents and talk to you. And okay. So uh, he comes over and uh, sits down with my parents. They pour him a cocktail and, you know, we have this conversation for about an hour and he basically says, you know, if things don't work out at Texas, you you let me know. I'd be glad to have you come back here and play. And of course he leaves. And I said, well, things are, everything's going to be fine in Texas. There's no way I'm going there. But he, uh, he knew enough about, uh, I think, uh, high school basketball in Sacramento and how things go and what works out and what doesn't work out that, uh, you know, I suspect in that time period that uh, I never knew of any others, but there were, there was more than one family that uh, he visited and did the same thing. And, and as a result of that, and uh, the fact that uh, I wanted to come, if I was going to redshirt, I wanted to be back close to home and that, um, our our um, our company was actively building 
houses in 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 Davis and developing land there out in West Davis. That uh, and I think, frankly, I, I I thought to myself, okay, if um, if I uh, ever end up not working for the company, I'll be better off with a, a University of California degree than a, a Cal State degree, and so. I was at Davis. So you um, talk about your time in Davis and your, um, obviously you got a chance to play and I'm, I'm assuming you were much happier there. Yes. Once we, uh, once I got through my redshirt year, I was pretty miserable not playing and, you know, kicking around the open league in Sacramento and, you know, and you know, we I was we were practicing with the uh, with the team, and um, and at that point there were um, there were um, several people who were coming back who'd played uh, who ended up playing um, who had played high school basketball in Sacramento and ended up playing what was my first year, so my junior year at uh in terms of eligibility and uh, my first year at davis uh uh steve verrigan uh played at del campo um jim hardy who played up at up, up, up at placer uh and um cornell Beatty, who had played at uh cornell played at kennedy if i remember right yeah, um, the Kennedy or Burbank, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Maybe it was Burbank. Yeah, I think you're right. It was Burbank. It was Burbank, and um, and so and we were all. Um, Cornell wasn't uh, didn't practice that that year, but um, you know the uh, Hardy and Berrigan and myself were the second team. And, um, you know, running the other team's offense for, um, you know, practice and this sort of stuff. And I had, I arrived in, you know, right at Christmas. And um, so uh, started the winter quarter and um, started practicing. And, but it was, um, and, you know, they're readjusting to being, uh, you know, going from 40, 45,000 kids to 10. And, you know, the uh, the approach of the University of Texas system towards education and the University of California uh, towards education was very different. And um, there, um, but we uh, ended up, uh, Getting uh, getting around to the next year, and um, because of, for eligibility reasons, I couldn't play the first six games, and uh, we were uh, worried about how we were going to do. And um, the guys went five and one without me, and um, all of a sudden, it's like, wow, we've uh, we've got something here, and uh, and we had a good year.
So once you did get a chance to play, you, you got a chance to play uh, and play a lot. Um, how did your team finish up that first year you got a chance to play? Well, we ended up with um, we ended up going to the regionals, and um, we um, we ended up playing against um, Northridge, and they beat us in um, a close game. And um, but we ended up, you know, we won the uh, we won the uh, we won the conference, and. Um, it uh, we were we we had a um, we had a really good team, close knit. We had a um, uh, the right combination of things. And you know, in those days, in um, you know, we had uh, with uh, Varigan and Hardy. Uh, Hardy had played at UOP and very uh, and very good had played at Nevada Reno and I played at Texas and uh, Cornell was um, at the Air Force Academy and uh, he was actually playing for uh, Popovich and uh, it um, you know when you get to where all of a sudden you've got four guys that have Division One experience and show up at an the with the ability to uh you know and, and are playing in division two it uh it it changes the dynamic and all of a sudden we were um the combination of experience and what we've done and size and speed etc was uh served as well and of course uh, on a personal basis the um you know when you've played um tried to you know, spent time playing um, three, four, and five on a Division One level, and you get to where all of a sudden you're playing in Division Two level, and you've got another big guy in um, with with Beatty. Uh, it uh, it helps. Yeah, yeah. Well, well so you guys had a, a good team because you had experience. It's almost like being in the portal now where you had guys who are pretty good, uh, same area. And so how did you guys finish up your senior year? Well, senior year, the... Um, I lost you again. Yeah. Not sure why that's happening. There we go. Yeah, I don't either. I'm not doing anything different on my end. <laughs> <laughs> So this we, um, we ended up um, my senior year. I had um, it was it was tough because the um, this the we had a couple other guys who um, were key to our team. A guy named Ron McGlory who had uh, played at Delta College and. Um, and who who came in and uh, was a Ron shot about fifty percent for the year, and he was um, and it was all fourteen to eight foot eighteen foot jumpers, and um, it 
And then we, and then the guy who, a uh, very good player, a guy who'd been there, a uh, guy by the name of Audwin Thomas, um, come out of Oakland, and he, and he, he had played, he played at Davis's uh, all four years, and um, that was the core of our 77-78 team. And 78-79, uh, um, Audwin and I were the only two that were left, and uh, we had a bunch of young guys, and then Audwin spent a big bunch of the year um, missing games because of injuries. And so that was another very different experience because I ended up, um, uh, I was the oldest guy in uh, by quite a bit. So I'm a fifth year senior. And at this point I'm, uh, you know, I'm close to 23 and um you know, the rest of the team are, I think there was one other guy who was 20 years old and everybody else is 18 and 19. And uh, if you didn't count Odwin, of course, Odwin was uh, 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 21. And so there was this real spread in terms of maturity and uh, what we had, um, you know, we had a real good year the year before. And so my, that, Senior year, my senior year, I had a, a had a good year personally and statistically, but it wasn't uh, nearly as much fun. And um, uh, you know, we got to where the you know one of the key differences what we played. I, I forget the name of the conference, but we played like San Luis Obispo and Claremont and guys out of the central something conference and that same basic teams that we were four and oh against in um 77 78 uh 79 78 79 we were 0 and four against the same team the, the same groups and it was just the you know it, it really kind of told the story of the year and but you know i never went back and looked but i'm sure i scored a lot more points and got a lot more rebounds my senior year than my sophomore than my junior year, but we lost it. I didn't really care much about, you know, uh, what I scored or did. It was, if we were winning and things were happening the way they were happening, then that's what, that's what I was after, you know, to, to get to where we were going to be successful. And we didn't have the bones we needed to be successful uh, my senior year. So you go along, you do what you can do, but you, uh, and it, it, you know, the whole process got a little uh, frustrating, you know, you know, uh, we won, I don't know, didn't play as many games in those days, but we probably won 23 or 24 games my junior year, but I don't think we won, but about 15, my 12 or 15, my, my senior, my senior year. So you're about to leave school. Um, what are you thinking? I mean, I, uh, I, I kind of knew where I was going to head to. Uh, so what are you thinking? Are you going to continue to play or are you going to work or what are you, what are you thinking? I'm thinking I'm going to work. I'm, I was fed up with basketball. I, you know, I had enough and et cetera. And this, um, and I got a uh, I got approached by um, 
some guys who wanted to be my agent. And I said, two guys, and they had a, a they claimed to have a, a connection to where um, I would uh, play for, um, uh, for the Globetrotters organization, uh, uh, for the Washington Generals. And um, they started talking about this and I'm thinking, wait a minute, you got to be kidding. And, and, it, and it's the, so they, they were talking about the, the, the traveling squad, not that in those days there were, there were at least two squads and one that was stayed in the United States and another one that traveled around the world. And so I asked a couple of questions and I figured out that, uh, I was going to see the world. At least I was going to see the gymnasiums of the world. And they had, uh, in the key question that decided it for me was that I wasn't very excited about the idea anyway, because I know how I do when I lose. I don't do well when I'm losing and uh, to lose every night would, would would have been tough. But then uh, they're talking about traveling the world and that kind of intrigued me. And then I said, well, okay, I'm going to be under contract for uh, nine months. Yep. I said, so um, 270 days, how many games are we going to play? 250 and I thought okay I'm not going to see the world <laughs> I'm going to see the inside of locker rooms and gymnasiums all over the world and so I didn't do that and then I thought you know what I'm not going to play basketball anymore I'm kind of tired of this and so I got another call from uh, a guy who was uh, coaching and running a, a, te a team that was playing in um, in both uh in a couple of uh, leagues in 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 San Francisco, and it was the it was kind of the Warriors Summer Pro League was one league, and then the other one was um, up at um, up in San Rafael at um, uh, high school up there. Uh, it'll come to me. And so I went down there and played a couple of nights a week, and uh, he talked about the third phone call. He said, you know, you really ought, just come down one night and try this and I'll buy you dinner afterwards. And so I said, oh, all right. So I'll go try it. And I got excited about the game again. And uh, uh, then there was uh, talk about uh, uh, potentially going to Europe and a guy that uh, Bob Hamilton had played with uh, – guy named Jim McGregor um, and Hamilton played with him up at Oregon and he was um, uh, he was coaching at uh, Trieste in uh, Italy and running that club and um, and then in the summers he would come back to the United States and spend most of the time in LA and uh, I got a Hamilton hooked me up going down there and uh, I went down and Stayed with him a couple of days and uh, played in some games. And uh, he came up with two offers, uh, one to play in Norway and the other to play in northwestern France and uh, ended up in northwestern France for two years. Wow. Wow. Talk about France and playing there. 
Um, and talk about some of the things that you had to do. I mean, you had to maybe learn some French, drink a little wine. Um, but the, what was the differences of being over in France? Well, it uh, my my first day, so I I. I I leave here on August 15th, 1979, and I land at De Gaulle, and I'm supposed to be met by um, somebody from the club um, who's going to meet me at the airport, and then um, I'm going to, then he's going to get me out to the train station, put me on train, and get out to this town called Londerno where I contracted to play to be the next nine months. And so I get off the plane at De Gaulle and work my way through customs and I get my bags and everything and at the appointed place and um, there's nobody there. And long story, not too much longer about after about four or five times telling my, it's 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 three and a half hours later and about four or five tell, t- times telling myself I'm gonna have to do something well as I thought about there was really nothing for me to do you know I didn't have any cell phone didn't have any money you know I'd just gone relying on this guy to be there and he finally shows up and he was the brother-in-law of the president of the club and uh, he, he claimed that he'd fallen asleep and overslept i think he actually partied all night and then uh uh, struggled to find and remember what he was supposed to do etc but he comes and gets me and uh we go have lunch and he puts me on the train and i get on the train six hour train ride out to out to where i was going to be and i get off of the train and it's raining (laughs) on august 16th and i'm thinking this has been one hell of a day. And now I get here and it's raining. And once again, I get off the train and there's nobody there. And and so I'm thinking, and I get all my luggage off and I'm struggling because I've got, you know, nine months worth of stuff. And, uh, and then I walk about 20 yards and then all of a sudden the, I was met by the president of the club and everybody else and things started to get better. There was about 50 people there to greet me and from, from the club. And, uh, we went down and got something to eat. And then of course they, the next day they immediately had to get me in the gym and see what they had and decide whether they were going to keep me or not. And, um, even though, um, I was theoretically signed up, but there was, uh, uh, there was the requisite tryout and, um, the uh, and then we get into what you're talking about. I I had um, I didn't speak any French. I had had um, a Jesuit. I had had four years of Latin that helped me uh, quite a bit in terms of um, just the language base. And it took me about six weeks to get to where I could communicate in, in French. I got very tired of the French English dictionary that I was carrying around and 
you know, one word at a time. I'm looking stuff up and pointing it and trying to put sentences together. It uh, it gets old, um, but I was lucky. The um, the deal, generally speaking, was that you got paid uh, some money. You got a car. You got a your health insurance, and uh, you had an apartment and. This club did something special where the, the president of the club's brother had uh, the best restaurant in town. And you and part of the deal was lunch and dinner six days a week at this restaurant. Wow. Yeah. And it. Um, and. Uh, Henri Bagnier, who was the chef and owner of the restaurant, um, he and I hit it off, and um, about three weeks in, it, along with uh, lunch and dinner six days a week, it turned into open bar too, and so it uh, it was a good time. And the and the you know the time in France um, changed my life, you know, in terms of just perspective and um, things I learned in terms of food and wine and. Uh, you know, what, um, and just the different lifestyle. And it's, a um, took a lot of adjusting to, you know, we would, we would practice or play at least six days a week in college. And, um, over there, there was one or two practice of, practices a week. And, um, we would play one or two games a week and um if you play two games you only practice once and um and these were the team practices and um and of course the just the basketball and adopting to just the international rules and the international game and the the you know we had guys on the team who were 15 and 16 years old and we had guys on the team who were 35 years old and um you've got this and and of course you then also have two games really going on you've got the team games but then the level that i was playing at most of the teams they had a, an American also, so that you had this game within the game of the Amer the Americans playing against each other, and so it was a um, uh, it was very interesting and very different. And I, one of the things that kind of speaks to the differences, Bill, is that I was um, we're playing in this tournament before the season started and this guy named Roger Coralur shows up and he'd been on the team before years before, but, and they kept talking about how he was going to play, but he never came to any practices. We played three or four games. He hadn't come to those, but he ends up coming to this tournament. And so with about, Four minutes to go in the first half of this game, 
he gets a um he gets put in left-handed guy and I'd been told he could shoot so we go and we were running basically a high post offense with me in the center and you know you try and do enough to get two or three guys trying to stop you so then you free up a one of your other guys in the team and um and so I I pass it into the corner where Roger is and he cans three out of four from the corner and um to close out the half and I'm like wow we've got something here and he's and so we go back at halftime and we're back at the um uh and, and he's he's not in shape and he's panting and everything else and we go back there and I'm thinking wow where'd this guy come from this is great you know and uh because there really weren't guys who could shoot at this level at least that at this point in the season and so um we we we're in the locker room and he's not there. I'm thinking, where the hell is he? Well, about three minutes later, he walks in. He's got two beers in his hand. One of them is half gone. He sits down, finishes the beer, and lights up a cigarette. <laughs> this is a halftime. And I'm, you know, I'm not used to this. <laughs> and, 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 and this is this guy who's, you know, it's like, we need this guy. And it, it just put the whole thing in a, it was a whole different perspective. And, uh, but, you know, I learned the language and um, it was interesting. This was a town of about 15,000 people. There were probably um, 15 or 20 who spoke English and half of those guys were associated with the club and, um, None of them, they all knew enough to know that uh, they didn't let me know that they spoke English because they knew if I was going to survive and it was going to work, I needed to learn to speak French. And so I learned to speak French and uh, it, uh, it, it worked out. But it's, uh, um, it was interesting because I had several times, um, uh, it, I was practicing every day myself when we didn't have team practice, I actually practiced when we had team practices. I, I, most of those days I would practice twice. I'd work out myself with myself by myself in the morning and then um, join the practice in the afternoon, in the evening. And, um, but I was not doing very much relatively speaking. And, but I was exhausted all the time. And it was because of the effort it was taking to learn to speak French. It really, you know, it was a very intense, uh, you know, uh, time period, but it uh, it paid off. And I've got close friends there still who we don't see as much as we like to see regularly and, you know, go back right. I go to France um, as much as we can. Try and, we try and go every other year don't seem to make it quite every other year, but, and the, our friends, um, the friends I'm talking about, he was, he, he was the guy who was the president of the club and uh, they've been out here probably 10 times themselves. So we, 
it, it was it was a good time and it worked out. So um, I think you said you were in France for two years. Yeah. So what were you thinking uh, when you left France? What was your next step? Well, between the two years, I I was playing in Division Three. I tried to move up into Division One or Division Two, and that didn't work out. And then uh, I came back here and um, started uh, went went through a a, a, a couple of uh, well came back and I was working for our family company, and um, I was still trying to play um, serious basketball and uh, wanted, you know, was playing in the, uh, in the, in the, in the winter tournaments um, up and down the Valley. And uh, uh, we ended up uh, Oh, uh, in the summer of uh, Probably either 80, 83 or 84, we, uh, maybe, yeah, 83 or 84, we, a uh, team got together and from the San Francisco Pro League. It must have been probably 83 because it was before the Kings had come to town. And um, we um, went back and played in a, a kind of a, pro league tournament sort of thing, um, in, uh, in New Jersey. And I tried to, uh, uh, see if I get, get any interest in the league and didn't really, uh, have any. And, um, it, uh, had a coach, uh, who, um, Len Stevens knew who, um, was an assistant at Cleveland and um, he and I talked some and he was trying to get me into camp, but they, uh, it was interesting. I, ahead of this, I watched a couple of your other podcasts and I watched the one with uh, Paul Mokeski and uh, he was talking about being at Cleveland in this time period. And um, it was, uh, and talking about the fact that they had, basically 12 spots, but they'd signed like 15 no cuts. And once they signed the 13th and 14th no cuts, I didn't hear from Jerry Oliver anymore. <laughs> they went, you know, there wasn't any room for people who they weren't already committed to pay. And so um, it, um, so, and then I, uh, you know, we, um, uh, we, uh, I, you know, I went about uh, working and building houses and developing land and burying garbage. So basically, you went to work at uh, the family company? Yep. And were you guys more concerned about building the company? Yeah. Or were you content where it was? How has the company built over the last? 20 years. Has it continued to grow? I, 
Well, we've had ups and downs through the time, through oh, over the years. You know, the um, uh, uh, the selling houses. Um, one, you've got to, um, you know, w we were a relatively speaking a small developer and a, a medium size custom home build, semi-custom home builder. We build affordable and kind of semi-custom things. And what we would, our historic niche was to be, was to find a piece of land, typically from uh, a, a farmer and, or a farming family, and then, um, joint venture, the development of the land, and then turn around and um, build enough of the houses, sell, sell lots off to people who wanted to build custom houses or other home builders, build enough houses to where we controlled the tone of the neighborhood and found a split between building the houses and selling lots. <laughs> the... Um, and like a lot of things, the people who, um, in a lot of industries, the people who are medium-sized have gone away. You know, the small builders still exist, and then the big builders exist. But the guys who were doing kind of 25 to 75 a year, like we used to do, don't really um, exist anymore. And Because you've got the, you know, you've got the, Richmond Americans and the, the Lennars, et cetera, these really big companies. And they're very difficult to um, compete with because things like the cost of insurance has gotten so expensive. And they've got um, the size and the capability and the financial backing being publicly traded companies to um, be in uh, the development business uh, for the long haul and can um, uh, buy and control a lot of lots. I mean, some of these companies are building whole new cities and um, we, um, and so we sold our last piece of, historically the, the homes that, uh, the places that we developed land in were what used to be the smaller outlying communities around Sacramento. We were in Winters and Davis and Dixon and Elk Grove. And um, um, we didn't build a lot of houses. Early on in the company in before my brother and I came on board in, 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 in management positions, we were building houses in the, in the, late 40s, 50s, and 60s in the city of Sacramento, but then we got into the other communities that are further out. And, you know, now it's all kind of the region, but there were there used to be a lot of open land between, for example, the, um, you know, the Power Inn area in Sacramento and Elk Grove. Well, now it's all filled in. When we first started building houses in Elk Grove in the 70s, there um, there wasn't anything to the west of 99. The whole, I mean, well, you know, you live there. And um, 
is um, so uh, in doing what we were doing, you need to control a certain amount of land. And then, of course, um, you need to track the economy. And when interest rates go too high, building stops because people can't afford to buy houses and um, or at least slows down dramatically. And so we were we would, would be writing that um, as we did and our last big piece of land that we had, we had a couple hundred acres in, um, in Dixon that we sold in 2004, five and six. And since then we, um, haven't built a lot. Uh, we've been concentrating on our solid waste business and it is, um, and that is, um, treated as well historically. And it is, um, um, um it's keeping us busy today. Um, Talk about the current NBA. Are you happy? Am I happy? Yeah, with what you see. Because, you know, frankly, look, um, most guys, and I talk to a lot of different guys, my teammates, college, NBA, um, they think, no, I'm not happy with this. I, I, I don't like it. I don't like report shots. I don't like one-on-one. I don't, you know, I still appreciate the game. I love the game. I hate what's going on. So I'm just curious of your thoughts. Well, I guess I have three or four different thoughts. I think conceptually, what I would agree with everything you just said, you know, um, but, you know, I think sometimes people lose track of the fact that the world changes and it is a, um, and uh, the NBA is in the entertainment business and David Stern figured that out. And um, it is, um, I mean, I can remember, uh, I can remember going down to the graduate in Davis in the early eighties, watching an NBA finals game that was pre-recorded. It was one of the weeknight games and it wasn't you know, um, it wasn't being shown live in California. And it is, um, at least not in Northern California. And um, I think that the, you know, the game obviously has changed dramatically. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the three point line and, how some of these guys can shoot today um, and how it's trending is such that um, it's a very, very different game. And um, it's, um, uh, you know, I don't, I've got real problems with this uh, fact that um, uh you know, players don't um, uh, 
don't play when they're capable of playing. I mean, th that just amazes me. I mean, they're, they're, um, um, I mean, I remember playing once when I was in France where um, I'd sprained my ankle and bad sprain. And um, I essentially limped through a game in uh, with, with essentially having a cast on my right ankle um, because, you know, it, it, we needed to win and we weren't going to win if I didn't play. So and again, lost me again. I'm sure why that's happening. There we go. All right. And, um, you know, it's, these guys make so much money, which I think is a function of the entertainment. You know, it's, you know, they're, they're paid like rock stars and movie stars and these sorts of things as, and it didn't used to be like that. And it's changed things. And, um, um, and no, I don't like a lot of the changes, but it is, um, you know, um, the other side of it is that like in terms of how homes are built today and how we bury garbage today and how, you know, how we live our lives today, it's very different than it was 20 years ago and 40 years ago and 60 years ago. And to think that a basketball is going to be, stay the same is, you know, um, is kind of uh, 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 doesn't make um, a lot of sense. And so there's this, dichotomy that's there that and uh that that i'm not sure everybody is balancing out uh but um you know there's um and then you get into of course these comparisons of eras and these sorts of things and you know you see these old films and it's like oh bob Cousy couldn't play today well no bob Cousy of in those films wouldn't play today but Bob Cousy was going to excel in the time period that Bob Cousy was going to excel or in, in the time that he was going to be alive and be playing. And, you know, it is, um, you know, um, uh, I think you and me in terms of, um, you know, if we, if all of a sudden we were 10 years old and, um, uh, I believe that you and I would have played basketball along the lines of what we both played, uh, but we would have been very different players because of, of the nature of how um, things evolve and how things are different. I agree. I agree. We, we would be a product of our times. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been, and yeah, and and I and I agree. Everything changes. Uh, even the way people talk about sports, the way they talk about individual players. Um, and what's interesting is that there's a certain amount of respect that happens. Like years ago, nobody would ever say Bob Cousy can't play because it's disrespectful. Now, it's. Um, it's normal, you know, to where criticizing is part of the game. So 
yeah, it's 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 definitely a different time. Um, last thing I'm going to ask you is, how's your family, wife, kids? Well, we've we've uh, uh, thank you, my my. Uh, we're uh, my family, my immediate family is doing 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 very well. We we uh, my um, uh, my wife's uh, uh, an OBGYN with uh, Sutter, and she's uh, she's busy, and she's. Uh, Rarely excited about 24 hours of call and having to stay up all night. But uh, besides that, we're we're doing well. We've got uh, our older girl, uh, uh, young woman Amber. She she works for the company and handles our accounts receivable. And our younger daughter Sienna is uh, in San Francisco working for a. Um, uh, uh, a firm that does what they call lifestyle PR. So it's uh, food and restaurants and uh, hotels and uh, stuff like that. And she uh, enjoys it very much. And, um, you know, it's been, uh, last year was, uh, last 18 months have been, a couple years have been tough for my family because um, my, uh, my father died in um, February of 21. Um, he was close, almost 92, and that was expected. And my uh, mom died in uh, June of, let's see, dad died in 21, mom died in June of 22, and um, also expected she was approaching 92. And, uh, but then, uh, my brother died suddenly and unexpectedly in July of last year. And it's been a, um, um, and uh, he was also in the business uh, with me and um, it's, it's provided some challenges, but we're, uh, we're getting through it. And it's, uh, um, fortunately his, uh, uh, his uh, second son, Taylor has, uh, started working with us uh last month and is going to uh is looking to uh carry the tradition on and uh we're uh, uh and move us into the next generation and uh we're uh, excited about that awesome yeah well mike thank you so much for being on i really appreciate your time um you know, we're going to have to get together when, uh, you know, uh, I, I keep hearing that we're going to drink some wine and hang out a little bit. Um, I'm going to look forward to that. And Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's on me to get that organized. And, uh, yeah, we, 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 we uh, it's always nice to see and spend, spend time with you and Sherry. And it's, uh, uh, we need to get it on the calendar. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll get it done. We'll definitely get it done. But thank you again. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, talking about your journey.
thank you. And uh, it's a, um, uh, uh, I appreciate you including me in these efforts. They're, uh, they're, um, I find them interesting and uh, uh, I wish I'd, uh, I wish I had the time to listen to them all. <laughs>